Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Penny C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, July 6, 2023, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter Working with Others, and we are on page 91, the fourth paragraph that begins with, When He Sees You Know All About, and ends with, Match Your Mental Consistencies with Some of His Own. Just that one paragraph. Today's readers, the readers of the text are Ramona A., Jeannie B., the backup is Chris M., Reading the Twelve Steps, Chris W., Twelve Traditions, Devorah S. The newcomer greeter is Vanita L., and the host for the second hour is Chris G. The announcements will be given by Kathy B. The reference numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, July 5th, are these. 7 a.m. meeting, 20,416. The 10 a.m. meeting, 20,000. 417, so that's 20417 for the 10 a.m. meeting. OA's preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book meeting, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I'm going to ask Chris W. to read the 12 steps for us. These are the steps we took as a program of recovery. All right, here we go. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol or food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to ourselves, to, uh, to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, 
made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take our personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for serving. Let me serve. Thank you, Chris W. And now Devorah S. is here to read the 12 traditions for us. Good morning, Devorah. Yes, thank you so much. The 12 traditions of overeaters and My name is Devorah S. and I'm recovered from New Jersey. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Number three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you. That was Devorah S. Now, here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers, is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, please let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. 
We are in the chapter Working with Others. We are on page 91, the fourth paragraph that begins with, When He Sees You Know All About, and ends with, Match Your Mental Consistencies with Some of His Own. And I'm going to ask Chris, let's see. Um, No, excuse me, Ramona, Ramona A., would you start the reading for us, please? Hi, uh, this is Ramona A., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Vermont, and glad to be able to be of service. So, when he sees you know all about the drinking game, commence to describe yourself as an alcoholic. Tell him how baffled you were, how you finally learned that you were sick. Give him an account of the struggles you made to stop. Show him the mental twist which leads to the first drink of a spree. We suggest you do this as we have done it in the chapter on alcoholism. If he is alcoholic, he will understand you at once. He will match your mental inconsistencies with some of his own. So, When I read this paragraph, I said it's so clear in the description of an alcoholic, or in my case, a compulsive overeater. I have no problem describing myself with examples exactly as the book is saying here, trying to relate to somebody else, and how baffled I was all my life because no one else in my family or that I even knew or even ate or even wanted to eat like I did. Only in my adult life did I even have, um, begin to have the the idea that, you know, I had an illness. But by that time, I was I was really a shattered person, you know, um, wondering why and what and feeling the humiliation, etc. Struggling with my ego to stay afloat and trying every diet and failing always because of the mental twist. I could describe dozens of experiences of that mind trick, you know, telling someone I didn't matter what they what snack they bought for a party is I wouldn't be eating it, and then finding that in the end I had eaten most of it. So describing the disease in myself was no problem here, but we're talking about trying to relate to another compulsive overeater or another person, I should say, you know, who may or may not be a compulsive overeater. And I found people who talk in conversation, you know, whether I'm standing in line or I'm sitting, you know, meeting them or even somebody I know, but starting to talk about how they have problems with food, you know, and we kind of joke back and forth because everybody likes war stories, right? <laughs> you know, quote, unquote, you know, the, the, the people who come home and talk about, you know, what's what's happened well we it's so easy to talk in conversation about eating issues so I just chat with the person and then try to relate as described here and very often they will talk about themselves they do relate you know but um, when I get even a little more serious and tell a bit about how I am now you know that this isn't the same anymore and I can see they want the freedom, but they won't don't want the work of the solution. I don't really get into that, but I see the fear of changing is in their demeanor. So I usually 
I really usually in most cases have to accept that I have just planted a seed and I'll never know if it grows. But then that's God's department, right? So I have to once in a while someone comes to a meeting, but not always. With that, I pass. Thank you, Ramona. Thank you for getting us started. And now before I take the names of people who would like to share on this paragraph, let me remind you that uh, although we we do value everyone's uh, shares, we ask that if you shared in the last two days, so if, if on any of the Vision for You meetings on Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, that you hold back and let other voices be heard. So with that, I'm ready to take some names. Please, please just give me Katie your, G. Katie G. Okay, thank you. Rosie W. Carmella G. Ken W. H. Larry K. Okay, hold on. W. H. And Ken. Um, yeah, Larry. Risk <laughs> R. Hold on, just a minute, please. Okay. I think I've got the right spelling. All right, who was after Larry? Rivka R. Rivka? Yeah. Okay, and one more. Okay, here's who I have. Um, I have uh, Katie G. I think it's Tracy W. Carmela G. Ken W. H. Larry K. And Rivka R. So, Katie, would you start the sharing again, please? KDG? <laughs> Sorry, I'm powerless over muting. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes. I really am. All right, good morning, everyone. Hey, Penny, thanks for taking the meeting. This is Katie G, and I am a recovered compulsive eater in Boston. You know, um, for me, I actually had a really hard time, like, when I came into the rooms and I started studying with the Vision for You meeting, I got very academic, and I got very, like, theoretical and um I was really nervous it was like what's my disease allergy the body obsession the mind like I didn't know like I knew what my story was but I didn't know how it related and I could get caught up on these words like mental inconsistency and asking myself like do I really have it and so today I just want to share you know what what, what my experience is because I think that what I've learned is to share me in everyday language. And, you know, I don't know what Bill and Bob meant in this big book, but I know what my experience is. And, you know, I know I was baffled that I was sick. I know I was lost a year and a half ago. um, I know that I had mental inconsistencies, which means that my behavior didn't align with my values and beliefs, right? So I have this house. I have a degree. I have... Um, I have two daughters when I shouldn't. I have a husband. And yet my behavior, like, so in my mind, I was this great mom. I was a great wife, right? But in reality, I was exercising two to three hours a day on the Peloton bike, imagining that they were my friends. And so then it was like I would go to be a wife and a mom, and I was too scared. And I remember, you know, so many people about talk about, you know, having to refrain and, and being crazy and going from the couch to the trash can, and I did that, but not recently. 
for me, I remember getting on the scale against my will. I remember shaking and being like, I don't want to get on the scale again, but being like, I had to, I had no power, no choice and no control. And, you know, the thing about this illness is, yes, I have an allergy of the body, which didn't make sense to me either, because I was like, I don't have an allergy, but all it means is that when my husband craves a hot fudge sundae, he eats it, and he's done. When I crave a hot fudge sundae, or in my case, the scale, I use it, and I get hungry for more, right? But the the, the worst part of my disease, like if that works, then, then Weight Watchers and all those diets would work. But the worst part of my disease is my brain, my brain that tells me it's okay, Katie, because that's what the chapter more about alcoholism is. It's all about the thinking that says, hey, this time, Katie, no one's going to know. No one's going to know that you are getting on the scale again. No one's going to know that you're exercising why? Because I have to get to the point, I'll just wrap with this, Penny, I have to get to the point that all I know is that I can't trust my brain and what I'm doing doesn't work, and I must have divine intervention. Because this program, this whole thing, is all about God, and only God can change me. And God willing, I continue to show up, and with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Katie G. And next, I believe it's Tracy W. Is that correct? Thanks, Penny. It's Rosie W. Would you spell your first name for me, please? Of course. R-O-S-I-E, Rosie W. Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, Penny, and everyone else on team. Uh, I can't remember what day of the week it is. Thursday. <laughs> um, this is one of many paragraphs that um, that makes me quite emotional. There is there is a very dark magic working with with newcomers and being reminded of the sheer desperation of my life um, before recovery. And this, yeah, this paragraph, it, it reminds me of that beautiful um, ending. Excuse me, Rose, Rose I'm not hearing you very quickly. From one alcoholic talks with another alcoholic to experience strength and hope. I was 12 steps by um, another recovering addict, but she wasn't a member of Anonymous. And I went along to my first meeting because I didn't know what else to do. Um, but 10 minutes in, I was frightened. I was lonely, I was identifying out um, at the speed of light. And at that point, a wonderful thing happened. A man walked through the French window. He was late for meeting. And I realized that the French windows were open and that I could escape. Um, so I started planning my escape, which was um, sharing the time started. And then another fellow spoke up. And he started sharing about the night before about how he'd gone out for dinner with friends and he'd had a really nice time. And then on the way home, he passed a late night grocery store at Green Brothers. And um, he had stopped and he bought some dates, even though he knew that he couldn't eat dates. And he ate the dates. And then he stopped at the next shop and he bought some chocolate. And then he stopped at every single shop on the way home, finishing it off um, with a carabag full of food. And that man stopped me in his tracks. 
I had never in my life heard anyone talk about food and about eating in the way that I did like that before. Um, and I ended up staying for the whole meeting. And God spoke to me through that man. Um, because even though what I, I found what he was saying terrifying, I also was then able to listen to other people who had been in that man's shoes and who were not doing that anymore, one day at a time. And I felt <laughs> very emotional when I think about that day, 13 and a half years ago. Thank you. Thank you, Rosa. Can I be heard, please? Okay, let's see. Yes, you can. Okay. Yes. Yes, Melody. Yes. Carmela G., you're Thank next. You. We're hearing you. Thank you. Carmela G. Hi, Penny. Thank you so much. Hopefully I'm coming out loud and clear. Yes. Wonderful. I'm Carmela G., and I am gratefully recovered for this day from New York. Um, this paragraph made me remember my early, early days when I used to go to the AA meetings because the fellows taught me so much in those meetings. And I saw this gentleman up there. He was talking on the steps, and the hardest thing for him to say was, Hi. I'm an alcoholic, and it is very difficult for us to admit this fact, but working with others, we must admit it first to ourselves and to God and to another human being, and it is the others. When we admit we are an addict, when I said those words, wow, it hit me right in the gut, and I can never forget that. I will never, I need a source, I need a power source, I must constantly stay connected, and I must share that with my sponsees and all that I meet, that Carmela G is totally powerless, and my job in this world is to get out of self and extend a hand to other people, not just in program, but in life. And that is what my higher power wants for me because that is what the message I get daily. And when I do those things, the joy that I receive, the gifts that I get back are amazing. And um, so, therefore, I work this program every day for selfish reasons because I enjoy the peace and serenity that I get in return every single day. And when I do my nightly review, I get told in my mind and in my heart, this is what you could have done a little bit better. 
and I strive every day through the help of my higher power to follow his directions. And with that, I pass. Oh, thank you so much, Carmela. That was Carmela G. And next, we have Ken W.H. Morning, Ken. Thank you, Penny. This is Ken W.H., Recover Compulsive Eater in North Carolina. Um, This paragraph just reminds me to uh, stay close to home telling my story. Um, The big book does say our stories disclose in a general way what I used to be like, what happened, what I'm like now. Um, Well, this is, it seems like this is a time to go past some generalities and actually get uh, specific about my own story. And it's the only story I have to tell is mine. Um, And the hope is that there can be a way to relate to that story for the person I'm talking to. It may not be the case. Uh, I remember the very first 12-step meeting I went to, the person who was speaking, who spoke their story, uh, did not grab me. <laughs> they were talking about things I didn't do. They were talking about uh, addictions I didn't have uh, to sp- specific substances, and uh, I didn't relate. Uh, I came back. I, I went again, of course, to to the next meeting, and of course, heard started to hear my story. So all I can do is tell my own story, and whether or not it clicks with somebody is is between them and God. They, I may say some things they can relate to. They just don't want to hear it. And I have to go one step at a time. Just tell my story. Tell my story. It's the only one I have to share. And uh, uh, it's, <laughs> how do we say it? Uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, that's the case for this. Uh, that's what I think this is trying to tell me. It's to to not overgeneralize to the point of me talking about um, overeaters in general, other, you know, that we are like, da 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 I don't know what you're like. You don't know what I'm like unless you hear my story and, and can relate to it. So um, I that's a caution I just uh, keep being aware of. Thanks for letting me share, and I'll pass. Thank you for sharing, Ken W.H. And next from Chicago, <laughs> here's Larry Kay. <laughs> What an introduction. Hey, Penny, thanks so much. Larry Kay um, recovered in Chicago. And um, I'm going to piggyback on something Ken alluded to. Um, I thought about this. No one, I've met a lot of people over the years um, in program, and nobody has ever recovered from this disease as a result of hearing my story. Now, I'm not minimizing it. Um, as Ken said, you know, we hopefully eventually we, we can identify in rather than what many of us do is identify out. The best sponsor that I ever, in my opinion, the number one guy, and he's not on the line, he's dead. And he's not, he's not only dead, he's, um, he's not an alcoholic or a compulsive reader as far as I know, any um, addict. But he exemplified such great stuff. You, you may have heard of the guy. He's a guy by the name of Dr. Carl Gustav Jung, great sponsor. Because what he did with Roland Hazard, it's in the big book, right, is um, he essentially said, you know what? I can't help you. 
I don't have the power to help you. In fact, someone, I've seen people like you and uh, someone with a case of this alcoholism, whatever this is, like you, um, I've never seen one single case, not one. I have not with my own eyes, Dr. Jung said, seen one case recover. And he let that sink in. He let that sink in. And then he said, when Roland, who was in such pain, said, well, I mean, are you saying never? <laughs> well, after he let that sink in, he said, well, here and there, once in a while, I've read. I haven't seen it myself, so don't put your money on it. But here and there, once in a while, I've read about people who have had what, what, what were termed vital spiritual experiences. And some of those people, from what I've read, are sober and happy today. And his next message essentially was, you might want to go search for one of those, these vital spiritual experiences. Not sure how you can find them. But, and, he, and guess what Roland did? He did. He did. He found the Oxford group. You know, there's a, there's a physicist maybe on the line right now. I don't know. And she's, and she's uh, has such a scientific orientation and she can't really bridge the gap between the physical world and some notion of the non-physical world, which is what we're talking, spirit. And she struggles. And Dr. Jung's message is the same message I carry today. I can't help you. Remember A, B, and C on page 60? B, probably no human power. I'm going to tell you, no human power. But C, God could and would if he were sought. Now we have a blueprint for how to see God in the 12 steps. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry K. And next, Rivka. Rivka A. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much, Penny, for your service and everyone on the line. Uh, Rivka R. Recovered Compulsive Eater in Baltimore. Um, he will match your mental inconsistencies with some of his own. Like this identification is so crucial. Um, I need this identification, and I'm the only one being a you know a compulsive overeater that can understand another compulsive overeater and have them identify with me. Um, like I thought, you know, when I was growing up, that, that that everyone just felt like me and just controlled themselves better. Like I had no clue what it meant to be wired so differently from a normal eater. I, I knew my relationship with food was crazy. I remember being obsessed from the time I was five. Like it's the only thing in the whole world that ever gave me any relief. I used to, th- I, I literally used to think, oh, like this is heaven, a bag of chocolate and a good book, like that's heaven. I, I hid food under my bed. I snuck food and binged in secret and thrilled. It was a thrill knowing that I had this stash and that I could just binge in secret. And I remember when I was 15, uh, I wrote a letter to my brother, and I, I, I remember the line that I wrote about, oh, the food is just an obsession. But I had no clue that that meant I was wired differently. It says the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. So the, fr- the first meeting I walked into at 16 in San Diego, California, was at this thin woman on the stage and room of 200 people, and, and she was talking about, you know, she was a drug addict and an alcoholic and, and an overeater. And I, I, I got scared. I, I ran out, like, and 
21, I tried again, and the leader handed me a food plan, and I looked at it, and I thought, well, I, I can't do this, and I ran out, and I tried again 10 years later, and, and, and you know, a person told me, I haven't eaten a chocolate chip cookie for six years. Well, I mean, I could never do that, so I ran out. <laughs> at 33, I was, like, so desperate. Like, I walked into a meeting, and it was the first time someone actually pulled out a big book, and they opened to page 52, and they read The Bedevilments, and they made an identification for me. It was the first time I thought, oh, there's something here that that I can that can help me. So, like I, that's this is so important. I I know that if if somebody is identifies with my experience in any way with the 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 hell, the uncontrollability, the not being able to stop, the um, just not being able to be to live, to be happy, to you know, then, and they are an alcoholic, they'll, they'll, they'll understand it once. They'll get it. And, and then, I can, then I can make a difference, you know, if, if they want to have a conversation about that, if they, if they would want to have that the freedom. I remember someone used a word, just the word freedom. I said, well, why do I have to do this? And they looked at me and they went, you know, I'm free today. And I just went, whoo, like it's just, so amazing that we can all be here for each other and we know our experience and I know that I can't compare That's time, Rivka. Okay, I'll just end with this. I I just have to accept and respect that my wiring ring is different and that the light that I bring into the world is through this through this struggle that I have and I you know, I I just you know, being able to be in a place of acceptance and happiness today is is just uh, such a blessing. So um have a great day everyone and I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rivka. That was Rivka R. And I'm ready to first let me remind everybody where we're we're reading from today. We are on page 91 in the big book, the fourth paragraph that starts with when he sees you know all about and ends with match your mental consistencies with some of his own. Just that one paragraph. Anita? Anita? Yeah. Shanna C. Shanna C. Okay, who else? Jennifer C. I, I I think I think I got Jennifer C. P C. P B. Katie K. Katie K. Okay. I have Anita J, uh, Jennifer C, and Pete B, and Katie K. Who else? Donna K from Ohio. Donna K, and who was after Donna? Shanna C. Janet B, I think New Jersey. Okay, so this is the lineup for now. Anita J, Jennifer C, Pete B, Katie K, Donna K, and Janet B. So, Anita, your turn. Thank you. Thank you, Penny. For, I was kind of, I guess, jumped the gun a bit. Um, this is Anita J, and I'm in Massachusetts. You know, it brought back to mind today the first meeting I ever went to. And um, it was in the same room 
where I used to be the diet workshop lecturer and then became the branch manager. But this was entirely different. I sat down, the woman who spoke said she was always afraid to lose weight and look good because she thought she'd go around the state of Massachusetts with a mattress on her back. Oh my God. I, she named something I never even acknowledged in myself. But evidently I was afraid just the way I had no control over food, I must have had some fear that I'd have no control. That, you know, hello world, I'm thin. It's just uh, the insane thinking, you know, that's us. Uh, or it's me, all right. And what kind of a solution will will fix that? The uh, the twelve steps will fix it, especially when I hear recovered people talking about the twelve steps, not dabbling in them, but living them, not just for the hour here in the morning or two hours. It's, this is a twenty-four hour job, you know. And I'm very grateful that I found it. I didn't find it till I was 42. I didn't get it for decades of that uh, since then, but I got it. And that's all that matters. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Anita. And next we have Jennifer C. Jennifer? Hi, so sorry. Good morning. This is Jennifer C. Can I be heard? Yes, yes. Good, thank you. Uh, okay. okay, thank you. Um, just want to say good morning to everyone. Thank everyone for their shares. Thank you all for being here. Um, couldn't do this without you. This is Jennifer C. Uh, from Greenville, South Carolina. Um, you know, this reminds me of the first paragraph of more about alcoholism when it says that, um, actually it's the second paragraph. It says that the delusion that I'm like other people has to be smashed, right? This is the first step in recovery that I have to fully concede to my innermost self that I'm the real deal. It also says that most of us have been unwilling to admit that we're the real deal, right? So this is part of the process. We come in, and we don't want to admit that we're that we're this compulsive overeater, right? We want to qualify out. We want to listen for all the ways that we're just a little bit different. But outside of these rooms, we have to admit that we're different, right? We have to admit that we're not like these other people outside of these rooms. But then we come in here and we have to admit that we are. We have to admit that we are the same as all the people in the rooms. And so out there... I have a hard time admitting, um, you know, that I'm, that I'm different than, than the normal eater. And then in here, I have a hard time admitting that I'm the same as all of you, right? And it's a process because I don't want to admit it. That's what the first paragraph says. Like, I don't want to admit it. And I spend my time trying to prove myself different. In every way possible, I spent over a decade of my life trying to prove that I wasn't one of you. 
Um, and the freedom comes when I surrender and I say, you know what? I have to do all the same things that these people have to do, had to do, have to do on a daily basis if I want what they have. And it's so simple, but it's not easy. And it takes what it takes. Um, and, you know, this, uh, it says, he will match your mental inconsistencies with some of his own, which then reminds me of that mental twist, right? Like, I had a much easier time admitting powerlessness over that first bite. Like, it was so evident. I couldn't deny it. It was just clear as day. Like, okay, once I eat any amount of, of sugar or any of my binge foods, like, game over. I'm on a spree. I got it. I see it. But that mental twist part. The mental inconsistency, the peculiar mental twist, I had to really look at step one around all of that, right? All the ways that my mind convinces me that using food today is going to be a good idea. That's the peculiar twist. That's the strange thing that happens to us. And my first step has to include all the ways that my brain convinces me that the very thing destroying my life is not a big deal, right? Like I wake up, I'm abstinent, I'm grateful. Um, it's my number one uh, request of the day is just to That's get another nice. day clean. And then by noon, uh, my brain can convince me of something completely opposite of that. And that is the peculiar mental twist. And that is how we're all the same. And that is where my step one has to begin. So thank you all for being here. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer C. And next, we're going to Philadelphia, I believe, and Pete B. Uh, thank you, Penny. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm recovering today by God's grace and mercy. Thank you for taking the meeting. So, yeah, I'm still sticking with the delusion that, unlike other people, has been smashed. I'm not, I'm not going to put any asterisks on there, right? Like, you know, there are a lot people can do a lot of things in this, in you know, in, in the way that they practice this program that I just can't do, right? So, you know. I don't know if I'm so much of one of us as much as I am, uh, as much as I have what you people have, right? And that, that is an allergy of the body, an obsession of the mind. And, you know, as, as, uh, as um, my friend described earlier, like the greater aspect of our disease resides in our mind. You know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a big problem with the allergy of the body. You know, but by the time I got here... I had already been around the block in different, you know, functions of Overeaters Anonymous. And, you know, if I, if I decided to eat, you know, I never, if there was one cookie, I wouldn't eat it. Because I knew if I had the one, I would have to have 50. You know what I mean? I never went, I never went to the donut store and bought a donut. You know, I always bought a dozen because I knew once I started. Uh, so, so the allergy of the body was not, was not a struggle for me. What was a struggle for me was what our book says, the greater aspect of the disease, right? The mental twist that always precedes taking that drink, that, the, the mental twist that regularly minimizes the significance and the severity of this condition, right? The fact that in spite of all of the other things that I happen to, uh, to approach and accomplish, this was one thing that I'll never be able to master, this was one aspect of my life that I'll never be able to have under control, that I'll always have that physical condition regardless of how much I learn about it, how much I practice better codes of morals and better philosophies of life. 
that I'll never have the mental capacity to make a decision like this time is for good. I'm never going to use this again. I'm never going to go back to those substances. Like that didn't cut, like, like the fact that I've been restored to sanity, that came as a result of working the steps, clearing away the records of my past, but most importantly by developing a relationship with a power greater than myself that has restored the sanity. But it's not because of my, my new code of morals and better philosophy. And this is what we, and this is what in this paragraph it's talking about, we need to describe to the new person the mental aspect of the disease, the thing that regardless of how significant my, my failings were and magnificent, you know, like how fat I am or how skinny I am now, right? At some point in time, I always made a decision that this time is going to be different. This time I'm going to be okay. I've learned enough about this. I went to enough classes. I've been to enough meetings. And if you, have, if you have this condition as described in this book, there's never going to be enough, enough, enough information. We're always going to have that mental condition that one day is going to minimize it and say, you know what, I've done it long enough. I, my body fat's at the right percentage, percentage point. I've shared enough meetings. Right? Let, me, let me go for this. Let me stop reading the ingredients. Let me stop going to any lanes, putting my plan together. That's time, Pete. Thank you, Penny. We got a pass. Oh, thank you. When I say that's time, it just means wrap up. So thank you, Pete. Um, Katie, Katie K. I have you for next. Good morning. This is Katie K. in Florida, and I am gratefully a recovered compulsive overeater. And thank you for your service. You know. One thing I, I, I do always try to tell sponsees, you know, no matter what stage they're in, I mean, if they're, if they're bulimic, you know, I can talk about that stage of my life. If, if they're grazers, I can talk about that stage of my life. I, I think I've been through a lot of different stages. But, but to talk about what went on inside, um, you know, how I was, how I was so baffled and, um, how I would come, I just believed that I needed to try harder. You know, I had the willpower and everything else. So why wasn't this working? And, and so because I would come home and eat like an animal, you know, and, and I, I thought I have to hide this part of me. And so there were like two of me, you know, and, and I would come home, you know, not knowing how to live life you know, maybe full of anger. I have people that uh, took advantage of me, maybe, maybe yelling at myself, the self-recrimination and the yelling at myself for how, you know, what I said or what I did. And, you know, I was a teacher and, and I would come home and, and, you know, I'm, I was never good enough. And so those loud screaming voices in my head, you know, the, the thing that would sue that was food. And I didn't understand that. You know, I just thought I had to be, try to be more perfect as a person, so I wouldn't have to yell at myself, and so I think, you know, that, that, that lie that the food would comfort me, um, is, is, is the one thing that, you know, I always try to tell, um, you know, a new, a new sponsee, just the shame inside, and, um, usually, you know, on some level, they can relate to that. So with that, I pass. Thank you. 
Donna Kay, good morning. Hi, good morning, uh, Donna Kay, uh, recovered for today in Ohio. Um, every morning that I wake up, I I I must understand, accept, um, and identify in that I still wake up as a compulsive overeater. Uh, I'm very grateful for program. It's made a big a big difference in my life. Um, but it's always going to be there. It's not going to go anywhere. Um, the part I'm the most grateful about uh, is that I've gotten some freedom in my life. Um, you know, I've, I've tried everything. I've tried a lot of things. Um, and having that burden removed, you know, that I have to come up with the answer for this disease that I have, uh, it's been a great burden to be taken off of my, my shoulders and, uh, and really given to my, my higher power. Um, my life is just completely different. And, you know, the number on the scale or however, you know, you know, I consider it, how my clothes fit, it doesn't even enter into the, into the picture. Um, I'm just grateful for not uh, having this battle to fight anymore. So, um, yeah, I have to identify in every morning, and uh, my recovery is, you know, for the day. It's a 24-hour reprieve, and I'm really grateful for the support and the tools, and the sponsoring is sponsoring is a joy. It's just really helpful. It it keeps it keeps me in a you know um, a, a place of freedom as well. Um, and I hope to, to be able to continue to, you know, sponsoring people, you know, when able. So anyway, uh, thank you so much for letting me share, and um, I hope everyone has a good day. Bye. Thank you, Donna Kay. And now, um, I, w- I don't know where my ears were, but um, I said the wrong name, and I got some help. The next person that wants to share is Shanna. Good morning. Thank you, Penny. This is Shanna C. from uh, Tennessee. Uh, thank you for your service. Uh, this is, uh, again, I'm Shanna, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater from, from Tennessee. Um, it's a miracle for my life uh, through God's grace. And I get choked up <clears throat> trying to not get emotional. I hate it when I do that. But when I read this paragraph, I think back in my own experience and how um, the woman that I called on the day that I had hit a bottom like I'd never hit before, and uh, she was there. And uh, she, you know, she shared her experience and how I identified. And finally, there was someone who, who, who understood. Although I had been in and kind of in and out of OA for a while, um, and I did identify with a lot of people, but for whatever reason, on that particular day, it was like all bets were off. I was laid wide open, and I felt at that time that I had exhausted every single mental, physical, spiritual possible solution medical whatever for this thing and I was absolutely doomed unless a power greater than me changed me into a different human (laughs) because there was no way I was going to be able to stop feeling the way I felt around food thinking the way I thought around food and eating the way that I did I tried everything and I you know recovery begins with one compulsive overeater helping another and uh 
it was that connection somehow. The, the magic had happened. I don't know. I had become entirely willing to do whatever it was I needed to do, and she was there, and she shared her experience, um, and I identified, and I was so grateful. You know, food plan, no food plan, just anything, a day at a time, you know. Um, and she understood. She matched her mental inconsistencies with, with mine. It was, uh, and I had surrendered. And one of the things that I, as um, looking back, I could literally spend all day writing down my first step. I could spend a month writing down my first I could literally spend so much time trying to figure out so many different ways in my mind, that mental twist, but I could do that all day and still eat. You know, self-knowledge availed me absolutely nothing. It was complete conceding to my innermost self that I am this compulsive overeater and um, I need spiritual help. There's nothing that's helped me in those strange – I've had those uh, – and what that looks like for me is those strange mental blank spots oftentimes will, looking back, it was like this rough of who cares? Eat no matter what. It doesn't matter anymore. And I have no power over those thoughts and I have no power over my, you know, my actions. I have to have a buffer in there, something in, inside me or somewhere to keep me from acting on that, that thought. Those thoughts will come, but... Thank God for these steps and that connection with the God of my understanding that literally keeps me safe and protected from myself. Um, anyway, uh, grateful I get to be alive. I get to eat awesome food today. Grateful I get to be healthy and, and happy today and uh, see miracles happen in my life and the lives of others because of this program. And uh, thank God for complete defeat, right, today. That's all I have. Thank you, Shanna C. We have one minute left, if anyone wants to take that one minute. Otherwise, we'll go to the closing. Marion H. Marion H., go ahead. Okay. I just need to say that I'm in uh, Vision and OA a very long time, and I'm nervous about sharing. So uh, for 48 days, I have been in denial. Me being an overeater, I finally realized that God and this the program can help me, and I have I have to work every day very hard to other to uh, talk to other compulsive eater, read, write, meditate, and only then will I have sanity in my life, and the shame with God's help will diminish, and be able to have a food neutrality with God's help, my sponsor, and praying and just working this beautiful program, and I thank. You all of you for being here, there, and have a beautiful, blessed day. Thank you so much, Marion H. We're glad to hear from you. And so with that, I want to thank everyone who shared today, everyone who helped put this meeting together, and everyone who attended. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Thursday, July... Excuse me. The share ID for today, Thursday, July 6, 2023, 7 a.m. meeting is 20,419. That's 20419. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And uh, Jeannie B. is here to do that for us. Good morning, Jeannie. 
Good morning, Penny. Hi, I am Jeannie D., recovered in Florida. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you for letting me